This is The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Good morning, it's John Moore. This is The Breakfast Wrap for Wednesday, June 28th. There is a special air quality statement in effect. You will probably smell it as soon as you step outside if you can't smell it now. There is smoke in the air and we're going to have smoke through the day, a high today of 24 degrees. Here are the five things you need to know. Number one, an air quality warning has been issued for the GTA. Number two, Olivia Chow concedes Toronto is in a budget pinch. Number three, inflation falls, but the central bank rate should go up in July. Number four, the province looks at charging a deposit on all drinking containers. And number five, Sheldon Keefe gets to stay. The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.07 on a Wednesday morning. And Nick Marano, maybe it's time to uh, break out every smoky song we can think of. Were you smelling the smoke on, on your way in this morning? I smelled it and actually tasted it. It was really uh, significant this morning as soon as I walked out of the house. Yeah, when I stepped out of the house, I smelled it. And it's a funny thing, actually, because... I'm I'm very used to, you know, years of being a beat reporter. I would report to fires. And there is a musty, stinky smell about a burned out building. That's not what we're smelling on the air right now. It's actually kind of sweet, but it's not sweet for anybody who has lung issues. And I don't know if necessarily it's attributable to the smoke, but all of a sudden I have a cough this morning and can't quite figure that out because... Um, everybody is sounding a bit adenoidal today. Ashley Legasic in the news uh, says she's worried about losing her voice. But um, yeah, I, I've shown up for work this morning coughing and hacking and uh, hopefully we'll make it through the show. But we have a poor air quality issue in the... Actually, it's not just... It doesn't respect borders, right? It's smoke. So it's all over southern Ontario, if not all over Ontario itself. And on the show this morning, you know, initially when Joe Cristiano said we should talk to somebody who's an expert in air quality and uh, how to protect yourself, and I thought, ah, that's kind of like those days where it's really hot and you say, hey, everybody, don't engage in strenuous exercise. But actually, this is a bit of a unique condition. And yesterday afternoon, I had a video meeting with an air quality specialist, and he had some really, really interesting stuff to say. You know, for example, you should probably try to avoid um, the outdoors if you can. And little things, like if you're in your car, then punch the button so that the air is recirculating inside the car rather than air coming in from outside of the car. And if you're lucky enough to have air conditioning, then you should uh, probably close the windows, use the air conditioners, and again, try to avoid bringing fresh air in from outside of wherever you are and try to recirculate the air that is where you are. And how long this is going to persist, we're not sure, but it is definitely an issue for anybody with lung ailments, and it seems to be a bit of an issue for people, you know, just everybody, and um, mild irritation, breathing discomfort. And the recommendation is that maybe you need a mask all over again. 
and you should go for an N95. N95, I mean, I, honestly, we've been through COVID for, uh, we're, I don't know, I, I can't even keep track of the time anymore when COVID started. It was 2020, wasn't it? In March? Well, I mean, actually, it started in 2019 because it's called COVID-19. Um, but, or SARS-19 or whatever the heck. Um, but, it, uh, you know, stuff got real in March of 2020. And then we've been living in this maelstrom ever since. But still, some people may not be familiar with the N95 mask. That's the one that is much more, you know, like paper and cardboard. And um, it kind of comes to a, a peak. So it's not your typical surgical mask. That won't do the trick. Uh, but an N95 mask will definitely do the, f the the filtering that you might be looking for. So what else we got this morning? We got um, Olivia Chow yesterday was her first day in office. Not much to be observed, except, you know, it's very much a change in the political climate in the city of Toronto. She went to City Hall and I'm going to be really interested to see what's going to happen to, I mean, leading civil servants. But also, you know, Jennifer McKelvey largely, if not completely, kept on the staff who had worked for John Tory. And that makes sense because they were doing a good job for John Tory. Jennifer McKelvey was going to be um, a placeholder. So she kept those people in place. However, Olivia Chow has her own people. So she's probably going to arrive. And, you know, does she have a new communications person? Does she have a new executive secretary? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know what the other positions are in the mayor's office, to be honest. I, I mean, I know one, my friend Greg, who is the bodyguard and the driver for the mayor. And uh, he was going to stick around for another three years of John Tory. Now John Tory's out. I don't know if uh, Greg sticks around and drives Olivia Chow. I don't even know if Olivia Chow's going to use a car. Well, that's just it. So will they have like a tandem bike where he's in the back seat? Wouldn't that be fun? People always ask me, how does this work when you go biking with the visually impaired? And it's okay. It, it's pretty simple, actually. It's a tandem bike. And the person who can see rides up front because they're the person who has to steer. So, yeah, maybe uh, Greg's going to have to um, get up in the morning and ride a tandem bike over to Olivia Chow's house. And I know where it is, but I won't give you the street. It's not far from where we are right now. And uh, ride her to City Hall. So what else we got this morning? Well, actually, you know what? Um, we have enough time here. So let's uh, visit um, Heather Wright's Olivia Chow report. Uh, that's number five. This is from CTV. Here we go. Olivia Chow walked into City Hall this morning for the first time as mayor-elect. Thank you, Toronto! After winning last night's by-election, vowing to build a better city. I want to get started immediately to make life more affordable. But people aren't the only ones facing a cash crunch. Toronto's budget shortfall is more than a billion dollars and digging out won't be easy. I will have to talk to the senior staff, talk to other councillors and see if we could persuade the federal and the provincial government to partner with us. Chow is the first racialized woman to take on Toronto's top job. A former city councillor and member of parliament, she is also the widow of former NDP leader Jack Layton. 
During the campaign, her conservative opponents warned Chow would go on a spending spree. Ontario Premier Doug Ford said she'd be an unmitigated disaster as mayor. During the election, you throw some mud back and forth, but I'll tell you one thing, people, uh, people expect us to work together and that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's what voters expect with the city, like most of the country, mired in a housing and cost of living crisis. She has a lot of issues facing her and she has a short duration to be able to galvanize support. This was an unconventional race, 102 candidates on the ballot in a by-election called after former Mayor John Tory resigned over an affair with a staffer. Chow's win as a progressive brings to end a decade of conservative rule at City Hall. But change won't happen quickly. There's a lot of inertia. So what you did before, you can try to modify a bit. You can try to shift the direction somewhat. But look, housing is still going to be a problem in this city. Olivia Chow says she is ready to raise property taxes, which are some of the lowest in the region. But the exact figure won't be determined until next year. That's Heather Wright reporting for CTV. And yes, in spite of the exuberance that always reigns when somebody new rises to office, we've got some pretty significant challenges in the city of Toronto, and I don't think any of the choices are going to be pleasant. You're listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Okay, so plenty of important things in the five things you need to know. One of them, the air quality. And I don't want to engage in concern trolling. And if you're not familiar with the principle, it's the idea that everything is something to worry about at all times. And we came up with a, a rule during COVID here on our show, which was we were never going to play a game called here's how it could all get worse. I mean, every once in a while, you got to report on things that are somewhat unpleasant and things that are not improving and getting worse. But I'm just not a fan. You know, if you've ever been part of a news operation, you know, people sit around a table and they start hatching ideas. Well, what about, you know, okay, if the uh, interest rates go up, how many people are going to lose their homes? Okay, let's do a story about that. Uh, the air quality goes down, who's going to die? Um, it is an issue. Definitely. The quality of the air right now, if you step outside, and I'm actually always mindful of the fact that there are people listening who, for example, don't have climate control. So maybe you got the windows open and you can smell it already. And the quality of the air in your house has actually been degraded. So it's not going to kill us all, but it is definitely an issue. And for example, a friend of mine has uh, COPD. I sent him a text a couple of weeks ago when we were in one of these air quality alerts and said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing okay, but I like to get a walk every day and I do it really, really early in the morning because I figure that's when the smoke's not going to be as bad. And actually, I imagine the smoke is pretty well bad 24-7 right now um, and we'll definitely let you know when things improve. But it's a very real issue. If you've got family members or if you're a person who has asthma, COPD, various other lung issues, then this is of a real concern because there are a few places where you can absent yourself from the, the current situation outside. So like I said, I'm not going to try and find a way to make it more complicated or to uh, terrify people. But a little later on in the show, we are going to talk to an expert 
And it was funny when we weren't recording the interview because we recorded this conversation yesterday. He's a U of T professor who's an expert in air filtration and air quality. And I said, I find it really fascinating to talk to people who have extraordinarily tightly focused expertise. And and I always wonder where that comes from. You know, it's one thing like my brother had a great chemistry teacher in high school and he became a chemist. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but then, you know, you zero it down to something extraordinarily specific and all of a sudden you are Canada's national expert in air quality and filtration. Or in the case of Sylvain Charlebois, um, you're an expert in grocery retail. I don't know that any expert, aside from, what was his name, Mas John Mascarin, I think his name was, yeah, during all of the chaos of the, Ford, of the Rob Ford years, everybody went running to this guy who was acknowledged to be the expert on municipal law. And every single media outlet in Toronto was talking to John Mascarin. And now it's Sylvain Charlebois, who frankly turns up so frequently, he's like the pokeroo of, uh, of grocery expertise. But... Yesterday, the Competition Bureau came out with an analysis of the grocery industry, and what a surprise. They found that um, inflation of grocery prices was up, and one of the principal problems in the grocery industry is we just don't have enough companies. We don't have enough uh, competition. We have Loblaws, Sobeys, and Metro, and then you know a few independents here or there, but basically most of you are buying at Loblaws, Sobeys, and Metro. And uh, I know that they always plead poverty. It always cracks me up. They say, oh, our, mar our margins are, we make pennies. Really? Still seems to me that Galen Weston is a billionaire. So apparently those pennies add up. Um, here's Sylvain Charlebois on News Talk tonight with Jim Richards. You can throw in number uh, 30. Uh, Nick Mayorano talking about how the Competition Bureau says we need more competition. The Competition Bureau is asking for more competition. <laughs> <laughs> it took seven months to figure that one out, I guess. Uh, so, of course, the report uh, states the obvious. But how do we get there? That's really the key. And uh, I actually think that the report uh, does provide some some interesting suggestions. The big one, I think, is that all levels of government need to work uh, together. Uh, some people think it's all about the feds or the province, but really municipalities have a huge role. And let me give you an example. Sometimes when grocers tend to see themselves as estate companies, they buy land in order to build grocery stores, but they buy lots of lots making sure that the competition doesn't build a grocery store across the street. So Yeah. See, I'm just not convinced that there's much the government can do about this. And I'm also convinced it's a bit like the uh, oil industry, that once you've established that everybody's willing to pay $2.55 a liter for gas, then you're going to flirt with that price for as long as you can. Subscribe today and always hear the latest episode of The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. 5.36 on a Wednesday morning. It's 15 degrees, and the one thing that is likely going to define your day would be the quality of the air, unless you're one of those rare people who's listening from, like, Croatia or Barbados. And good morning to you if you are. Thank you very much for streaming. Uh, increasingly, an awful lot of people are streaming. 
Which is uh, kind of weird. Like, there's one listener in the wintertime who will send me beach pictures of the sunrise every morning from Barbados. And I find that both intriguing and annoying. But uh, yes, good morning to all of you in far-flung areas. But if you're in Ontario, I was going to say southern Ontario, but honestly, it must be the entire province by now. The air quality is an issue. And like I was saying in the first half hour, I don't want to engage in concern trawling. However, if you have lung issues, then this is a problem for you. And even if you don't, I already know of a goodly number of people this morning who are complaining about raspy throats and um, clogged noses and coughs and all kinds of other things. And maybe that's psychosomatic. I'm not sure because I certainly can't figure out. Don't have a cold, but I got a cough. So I'm not sure where that's coming from. So that is one of the big stories of the day. Not exactly debatable, so I don't know that we necessarily put that on the uh, the roundtable, except to anecdotally ask everybody on the roundtable, how you doing? Um, and, you know, maybe we'll find out. Now, uh, wider issues would certainly include the state of the economy. And yesterday, while we were still on the air, so this is not entirely new, but we've had some, some time to uh, crunch on it. Um, we had the inflation rate come out for the month of May, and inflation was down to 3.4%. So that would be the amount that uh, the average basket of goods was different, was inflated from a year ago, so May 2022. And this is great news. You know, and, and also, you know, there are, whenever you don't like a, a given government, then you'll actually regrettably or lamentably embrace bad economic news. It's like you wish for your country or your province to do worse because that will impoverish or weaken the government that you don't like. But remember how inflation was going to be absolutely instrumental to the federal conservatives defeating the federal liberals and Pierre Polyev was going to triumph because of inflation. Well, inflation's off the table. Not entirely off the table, actually, it should be said, but a 3.4%. And with the Bank of Canada anticipating that we will probably get it within the target range of 2% by the end of this year, that's just good news. Okay, so set aside the fact that maybe it was advantageous to your political inclinations to have a crappy economy, we're going to have a better economy. However, the street is predicting the Bank of Canada when it sets its interest rate in July, will possibly up it again by 0.25%. And then you get into the whole, you know, uh, debate about, um, you know, whether we're sinking the brakes too hard on this economy. And I frankly think, for the most part, we've got it right. And I agree with, for example, we had um, Amanda Lang, on the show on Friday, as we do every Friday. She joins us to talk about what she's gonna have um, on her show, Taking Stock with Amanda Lang on BNN. And her prediction, and I'm in line with this, is that we are gonna have a soft landing. So I know a lot of people are anticipating some negative quarters. I don't think that's gonna happen. Now, don't, don't make your investment decisions based on what you hear from the guy on the radio, but that would be my analysis. And I'm pretty sure he's probably listening right now. So I'll get an email or a text. Um, 
but actually he's like, you know, PhD in economics. Uh, Tim Hudak has been making roughly the same prediction. So I don't know that there's anything new to be said about uh, Olivia Chow. So I guess we just keep moving. But it was interesting to see her arrive at City Hall yesterday. And very early in the day, it was certified that she will be inaugurated on the 12th of July because she wants to get busy. She could have waited considerably longer, but let's face it, we've been in a holding pattern. Um, no criticism of Jennifer McKelvey, the interim mayor, the deputy mayor, but you know she wasn't exactly gonna turn the city upside down in a matter of six months to suit her vision. She was there to hold on to the whole thing until the new mayor arrived, and that's Olivia Chow. And there she was at City Hall yesterday. I was talking about this business of roof topping and actually, we have some time here, Nick Mayorano, so we can play John Woodward's report. Rooftopping is stunting. And, you know, this is where people will put themselves in very precarious, high-in-the-air scenarios. They'll stand on the edge of a tower. They'll climb a flagpole at the top of a skyscraper. They take pictures. They pull stunts. They get followers on Instagram. And occasionally they die. A young man's feet dangled dozens of stories up over Front Street in Toronto, among several videos posted to a TikTok account called Mr. Infiltration. He says on the site he's been among a group of people addicted to the thrill of climbing city structures and taking and posting photos and videos for six years. That young man's real name is Conrad Rybicki, and he was 22 years old when one of these ventures apparently went wrong. He plunged 20 stories to his death from Toronto's Hyatt Regency Hotel on May 23rd. I cannot speak. I'm sorry. In an interview from Poland, Rybicka's parents say they were devastated when they got the call from Toronto police. You know, he had big dreams. He wanted to do so much with his life. And have a message they want to pass on to the groups that are constantly challenging security in the city's high rises. Watch out what you're doing because this isn't this isn't fun. This isn't the, the entertainment that young people should be interested and should be after because it's it's so dangerous rooftopping gained traction in toronto in part due to local photographers but thrill seekers worldwide have climbed looking for that perfect shot others have died in the pursuit including in china russia and in chicago Rybicki's could be the first rooftopping death in Toronto. I think that we need to have a serious conversation. Academic Ricky Crono says the risky behavior is supercharged by likes and clicks on social media, especially when the daredevils and the platforms can make money from these videos. And there's a lot of you know, monetary incentives to take, you know, to, to take risks, to get more, you know, to get more views, to get more followers, to get more attention. On TikTok, some videos are tagged with a warning, others aren't. Right, Bicky's parents say they are starting a foundation in their son's memory. That's how it ended uh, for for our son, and um, that's how we do not want to end for other or children of other parents. That is uh, John Woodward reporting for CTV, and I don't know about you, but even when I look at still photographs of people when they take a selfie of themselves standing on the edge of a skyscraper in any city, but certainly in downtown Toronto, I get vertigo just looking at those images. So I can't imagine those individuals. And I will tell you, you know, it's limitless what you can find on the internet. I was curious, it's morbid, but yes, 
I was curious, how much time would an individual have when they lose their balance and fall off a 20-story building to reflect on the fact that they made a grave mistake? And the number of websites that are dedicated to calculating the distance and the velocity of a falling body is astonishing. And incidentally, it's about two seconds. Okay, so let's get into what Toronto's talking about on this Wednesday morning. That is News Talk 1010's John Moore studying his notes for this last-minute quiz we're going to give him about what's exactly happening out there. Good morning, John. Hope you're doing well. Good morning. Doing okay. Coughing a little, though, and that's yeah. kind of our first story. Kind yeah. of is, isn't it? Yeah. It really is. And, you know, I was listening to you, John, coming in on the drive, and I heard you talk about the air quality and how it smells like smoke again. Lo and behold, open the car door, and there's that familiar scent. Smells like a campfire mm -hmm. out there. And actually, my producer, Joe Cristiano, was reporting. He just took a look at the CN Tower. He said he can see the observation pod, uh, but he suspects it's smoke and not cloud that is obscuring mm -hmm. the steeple over that. This is going to continue to be an issue through the day. We're actually talking with an expert. I don't want to engage in what they call concern trolling, but air quality really is an issue for a lot of people across Ontario, and particularly in southern Ontario today. And those with lung ailments are even more affected by this. Um, but little tips, like if you're in your car, then press the button to recirculate the air mm -hmm. rather than bring air in from the mm -hmm. outside, because it is a legitimate concern. Yeah, that's the thing. It is, like you said, you're not trying to, like, you know, freak people out, but there's a legitimate concern there for some, so let's keep that in mind, and, you know, try, you know move yourself along accordingly. Uh, moving along here, George, this, or pardon me, John, this is a real concerning story. Parents of a Toronto rooftopper are warning others about the danger of the activity after their son plunged to his death. Yeah, and people probably have to be informed of what a rooftopper yeah. is. Effectively, these are stunters, and they take pictures of themselves on rooftops, standing on ledges. They pull stunts. And in this case, this may be the very first person to have fallen to their death, 20 stories to the ground. A rooftopper is parents speaking from Poland, John Woodward reporting on this story. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, this is something people do just for followers, just to become mm. Internet famous. And in this case, it cost him his life. He was 22 years old. Oh, what a tragedy. Yeah, there's a saying with, you know, young kids, it's in songs, all for the gram, meaning all for the Instagram, but it is not worth a life for sure. All right, let's talk money now, John. Inflation slows to 3.4%, but the Bank of Canada is poised to hike rates again. When might that come? Yeah, before the end of our shows yesterday morning, the inflation rate for May came out. It was 3.4%. That's the best it's been in two years. Bank of Canada feels that it's probably on target to bring it within the target of 2% by the end of this year. However, if you have a floating mortgage or you have to renew your mortgage, you're going to be disappointed to know that the street is now saying that probably the Bank of Canada in the month of July is going to raise the rate once again, central bank rate, by about 0.25%. Yeah, and of course, it's the mortgage rates in some cases that are pushing up the inflation based on yes. the additional money people are paying there. It's like 30% more expensive this year uh, to pay off a mortgage, especially on variable rates. Okay, John, another report here finds roughly half a million Canadian employees are unable to work each week. This is due to poor mental health. These are big numbers. Yeah, mental health and overall well-being of Canadians has been in significant decline, according to a new report. It suggests employees are facing increased stress. A lot of this is about workplace pressure, inflation we were just talking about, uh, growing precariousness about whether or not you're going to continue to be employed, and then there's all the aftermath of COVID-19. So mm -hmm. it doesn't paint a particularly flattering portrait of the workplace, and this also sort of ruts up against this effort 
to get people back into the workplace where an awful lot of people don't want to be. They yeah. got comfortable working from home and they want to continue to do so. Mm, okay, interesting there. And turning to this now, John, the CBC reports the Ontario, that Ontario is considering deposit and return system like the beer store for non-alcoholic drink containers. Yeah, effectively any drink container, including juice boxes and water boxes, mm. would mm. become something that would have a deposit on it and would be returnable. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I just I put my stuff in a box and put it in front of the house, and it's gone within hours because mm. I'm just not the kind of guy who's going to troop out to the beer store. You know, I'll admit to this, John, truthfully, I collect them more for the amusement of how much I can get back <laughs> when I do take my empties back. Uh, I'm not going to copy how much I get, but normally I get one or two bills. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I kind of make it worthwhile and it's just kind of a fun thing. And I get the kids involved as well yeah. and it kind of builds on their allowance. Yeah, my so, um, yeah, kid loves recycling, so it's a yeah. good little pastime. Yeah, it works. So, I mean, I'll have to start collecting my sparkling water cans as well, I guess. You got a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. John Moore, always good to chat with you. Have a great show. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. That's our friends Nick Dixon and Jennifer Chung over at CP24. And, yes, the uh, it, it's kind of... Uh, a treasure trove of oddball information that will sit in front of the average household if you are the kind of person who doesn't go to the beer store to return your bottles and you just put them out in a box. So I know all of the wine preferences of my neighbors, and then I'm always very, very curious to see who comes by and um, picks up those boxes of bottles. Then there's the added embarrassment of just how many bottles you end up putting out in front of your house in the first place. Um, but listen, let's uh, dig into a few other stories. You know, I came across this story yesterday, and it's relevant to people in media, and it's certainly relevant to those of us who have written for newspapers, but I don't know what the general population is going to think of, apparently, the Toronto Star's owner is in talks to merge with Post Media. And the quick takeaway from this would simply be, that first of all, for me, it's like, you know, it's matter and antimatter. I don't know how the star and post media could cohabitate. Uh, post media involves the sun and the national post, which are very, very conservative. The star, quite liberal. Um, but the other aspect would certainly be once you start merging media organizations to this extent, where there would only be, to the best of my knowledge, and maybe somebody listening right now can... Uh, can tell me I'm all wet on this, but I mean, we have uh, the people who own the star, the people who own post media, which is the national post and the sun uh, and the people who own the globe and mail. And that's kind of it, isn't it? So if we start merging all of these corporations and then the usual trying to find efficiencies, then diversity and polit in particular sort of political diversity is going to be watered down to the point where, you know, it's just sort of one monolithic media. But I guess that's the future. You know, I was uh, talking with somebody quite recently about evolution of the news media. And my real fear is that the future is going to be basically bloggers, you know, individuals, no editors involved, no editorial board involved, no actually, you know, no political perspective aside from the one that the individual blogger has. And as we saw 
in what happened at Fox News when Donald Trump said, I didn't lose the election, the election was fixed. Fox News said that's not true. And all of a sudden, Fox News started to lose viewers. So Fox News said, okay, we'll say it's true. We'll pretend it's true. And the evidence is shown, for example, in the uh, Dominion suit against Fox that off the air and in memos and texts, all of the people who worked at Fox would say, well, we know this is garbage, but we're going to say it anyway. And then they'd go on the air and say something that wasn't true, and they would continue to flog it. So if the future of news is to only offer people a vision of the world that they already have and they want to believe is continuing, then, you know, news media will cease to be an objective observation on what works and what doesn't, um, what's healthy and isn't, what government succeeds or fails. All of that will be tossed aside and we're just going to have every day you wake up and you're told that everything is exactly the same as it was yesterday and everything is great and your vision of the world is perfect and nothing flies in the face of it. And if that were true, for example, you know, I know people somehow nurse this idea that the star is the left wing equivalent of the sun, but the star doesn't publish front page uh, cartoons of Doug Ford. Uh, you know, it's, it's not quite the same. The, the sun is a tabloid. Um, the vision of the world that actually the National Post columnists, including Rex Murphy and Conrad Black, uh, that vision is a little bizarre. And it's maybe you could identify a couple of star columnists who are as leftist as those guys are rightist. But in general, the star, you know, if, if you want to believe that the world continues exactly as it is, then the star never would have reported on all of the scandals of Dalton McGinty and Kathleen Wynne, because allegedly it's liberal, therefore it would not have reported on those. But it did. It broke the stories of Orange. It broke the stories of the gas plants. Um, on and on it goes. And so you need an independent, investigative, strident, cause-driven media. And I don't know if the future is going to support that. That's The Breakfast Wrap. Thanks a lot for listening. My name is John Moore. I hope we'll talk again soon. You've been listening to The Breakfast Wrap with John Moore. Don't forget to subscribe and get the latest episode from wherever you get your podcasts. And listen weekday mornings from 5 to 9 on News Talk 1010.